Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this very, very, very special episode of Wakilisha Podcast. We are celebrating the Day of the African Child 2021 with St. Patrick's Safeguarding Children Program East Africa. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited, as you can tell. I'm your host, Liz Jambi. I'm Brian Bright. And I'm Zippy. Yes, uh, so this particular project, we are undertaking it with Strathmore Law Clinic, Strathmore University Institute of Family Studies and Ethics, and it's been funded by Mission Cara as well as St. Patrick's uh, Children's Safeguarding Program, East Africa. So we're very excited. <laughs> Lots of mouth- mouthfuls this particular lots episode. Yeah, <laughs> and lots of guests, but it's going to be a learning episode. And uh, as always, we're going to take you on a very wonderful journey. So right into learnings, we've all been doing a lot of research on this particular episode. And uh, I think it starts from the Soweto uprising, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And just maybe we could state the theme of the year, which is 30 years after the adoption of the charter that Bright will discuss, accelerate the implementation of the Agenda 2040 for Africa fit for children. And we celebrate the Day of the African Child to commemorate the bravery of the students uprising in Soweto, that is in South Africa, that marched to protest against the poor quality of education they received. They disapproved the Black Education Act, which segregated students based on their race. Uh, innocent sh- students were killed, which led to weeks full of protest that was dubbed as Soweto Uprising. So in 1991, the African Union deemed it fit to rally its member states to come up with an, you know, a charter to protect um, the rights of children and provide for a child-friendly justice system. And that is how the African Charter on the Rights and Welfare of the Child came about. The charter is like a treaty, yeah, providing 
um, for you know all these rights and states or member states who sign it then have to abide by the provisions of that charter. And in 2016, when the African Union was celebrating 25 years of the charter, they adopted an agenda, and this is the Agenda 2040. What this agenda did, it looked back at the past 25 years and looked forward at the next 25 years and see how we can foster an Africa that is fit for children. Yeah, and the agenda has a whole 10 aspirations, right? It's supposed to serve uh, like some kind of strategic plan as to how we'll implement children's rights in Africa. Mm -hmm. So today we are specifically focusing on one particular aspiration, that is aspiration 7 of Agenda 2040. And this aspiration talks about every child is protected against violence, exploitation, neglect, and abuse. What is an aspiration it's it's something you're looking mm-hmm. forward to right and uh, maybe just to go back when you talked about a treaty um a charter is a treaty and a treaty is an agreement so mm-hmm. basically what we are talking about here is agreements and you now have aspirations you're looking towards something so basically in this episode we are trying to establish how is it that we can ensure children are protected against violence exploitation neglect and abuse and like i said we have very very many people in studio today. In fact, we've taken over Summerbox and Baraza Media Lab. <laughs> so maybe could you guys tell us how are we exactly going to be going through this episode? Great. So I will begin and I'll be talking to three phenomenal guests um, who will be contributing on violence, exploitation, neglect and abuse against children. I'll be speaking to Mr. Gori first from St. Patrick's Safeguarding Children Program East Africa. And then I will be joined by Miss Zena from the Shining Hope for Communities. And lastly, I'll be speaking to Miss Roslyn from the Strathmore University Institute for Family Studies and Ethics. And on my segment, I'll be speaking to Mr. Ben from Orione about children living with disabilities. And I'll finish off that particular segment of the show with my part three. I'll be speaking to Miss Sylvia Morabe. She has a very cool name, you guys. <laughs> She's from Crime Sipoa. I'll also be joined by Miss Judith Athiambo from the Langata Legal Aid Center. So let's get into it. Yeah. Welcome to part one of this episode and we'll be talking about violence, exploitation, neglect and abuse against children. We're joined by Mr. Gori from St. Patrick Safeguarding Children Program, Mr. Africa. Um, Karibu sana. Thank you, Bright. What does St. Patrick Safeguarding Children Program, Mr. Africa do? The Safeguarding Program is part of a, a, a bigger organization, which is St. Patrick's Missionary Society, which has a presence in about four continents. So what we do as safeguarding within East Africa is that we implement the organizational policy on safeguarding children. We have different institutions that are run by the Missionary Society, including schools and uh, dispensaries. And we also live within the communities where we serve. So we have 14 different communities in Kenya and South Sudan, where we are present and we assist those communities in keeping their children safe. Great. And maybe just to get people to understand, because we are talking about violence and abuse, what kind of abuse do children face? Yeah, it's very difficult to give an exhaustive list because every day we see emerging crimes coming up. But the ones that are most common, we see a lot of physical abuse of children. Then we also see a lot of sexual abuse, um, including rape, defilement, unwanted touch, indecent acts, 
and also non-contact sexual abuse. For instance, sexting a child or exposing them to materials such as pornography at, a, at an early age. Then children also deal with a lot of emotional abuse. When, for instance, the child is repeatedly rejected or frightened by threats, um, they can be subjected to derogatory language, they can be called names, things that kind of erode them in terms of their development, you know. So it causes them some sort of a emotional trauma. Then we also have, um, unfortunately, this emerging area that is, um, it's not really emerging, but it's becoming more prevalent. So it's the commercial sexual exploitation of children. So you'll see there's a lot of maybe sexual tourism for the use of children uh, in an improper manner. There'll be child prostitution. We've seen recently a very uh, prominent case, for instance, with uh, Epstein. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are things that are really uh, becoming more prevalent and are a little bit disturbing as well. Then there is, within our own African context, there is harmful cultural practices which are slowly diminishing but are also still present. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the use of FGM, right. you know, is a form of abuse against yeah. children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also things like early marriage, mm-hmm. which in some communities is very acceptable, but we know that, you know, the child is too young to be engaging in sexual activity. So, mm-hmm. And the, the last, which I'll call an emerging area, is um, online child abuse. And And we've seen even in the times of COVID, because children are using online platforms to learn, even the DCI has had to put out a statement saying that there's an alarming increase in online child sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. So people are taking advantage of the internet to groom children and uh, exploit them basically through that familiarity. Yeah. yeah, it's very nice that you mentioned that, especially in these times. We're now joined by Miss Zena from the Shining Hope for Communities, or Shofko, if you'd like. Um, Karibu sana to the Wakilisha podcast. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for making time for us, and um, perhaps from your day-to-day activities at work, what forms of violence and exploitation do you find children facing? Actually, in regards to the Day of the African Child, And specifically during this time of Mm COVID-19, I would say defilement. Defilement has risen so much. Mm -hmm. We have neglect. Mm -hmm. You know, parents have to go out and hustle. So basically, I would say that all the abuses have grown up during this time. Mm -hmm. Because most people have to go out and the children are there. The perpetrators are there. People who we did not know would do heinous acts are now coming out. Parents go hustling. Perpetrators are there wide-eyed mm-hmm. for the children. Yeah. We're now joined by Ms. Rosalind Mwanza from the Strathmore University Institute of Family Studies and Ethics. Um, Karibu sana, Ms. Rosalind. Um, we're talking about DAC, we're talking about violence, exploitation, neglect and abuse against children. And perhaps you can let us know what forms of neglect um, exist um, against children or First of all, let's start with what does neglect even mean? Neglect is when a person charged with the care of a child is mm-hmm. not doing their part in providing their basic needs, in protecting them, in providing security and other needs as defined um, for the family. And this points down to the child's family. These are the roles that a family is supposed to fulfill in the mm-hmm. life of a child. And whenever that is not happening, then whenever the parents are for example, being absent in the life of their child, then they are neglecting the child. Now, I know there are a lot of CSOs that, you know, play a huge role in preventing exploitation, neglect and abuse of children. Um, Would you maybe quickly define to us what role um, CSOs play in this? 
in this. CSOs are doing an amazing job, actually, but mm-hmm. o- there's always room to do more, mm-hmm. and there's always imagined areas that need to be addressed. Yeah. But one of the key things that CSOs can do is to create awareness, mm-hmm. and not just among adults, but also to target children, so that children are aware that certain activity or actions towards them are improper, and they're able to be empowered to speak up. Another thing they can do is to be very bold about uh, contributing to legislation, so mm-hmm. they shouldn't shy away from proposing amendments to laws because they're on the ground so they can see what's working and what's not working. Um, They can also provide psychosocial support to children because one of the things that's neglected is once we report a case we think we've helped this child you know Mm -hmm. the person has been prosecuted but trauma takes a lot of time to recover from. So just the continual use of psychosocial support will be of of use to children who unfortunately have experienced trauma. But the key thing they should do is to focus on prevention because if we're able to prevent these things from happening, then children don't have to um, then go through that odious process of trying to recover from traumatic experiences. Focus on prevention, that's, you know, the key line there. And maybe just to wrap up, um, we're talking about the Agenda 2040, it's Day of the African Child. Um, we're talking about fostering an Africa, you know, f- that is fit for children. What yeah. recommendations would you have for anyone who's in the system, any stakeholder? Um, I would say, you know, we are all working somewhere. Most of us have um, some engagement either as volunteers and as employees. So within our own organizations, we have room to make a change. Having safeguarding policies is very uncommon. But if I tell you sexual harassment policy in a workplace, it's very common. Mm -hmm. You know, dignity at work is very common. But Mm -hmm. most workplaces have a contact point with children. But there's no vetting process at employment to find out, do you have a history of child abuse or child neglect, you know? So if we set up child safeguarding policies in our workplaces, then that goes a long way towards protecting children. So that would be my recommendation to everyone hearing. Great. Thank you very much. And I am sure a lot of people have heard what you said. Thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Gori. Thank you, Bright. My my recommendation would be one, for if there is a case, mm-hmm. like for example, during the COVID uh, pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, the courts were not working that much. Mm-hmm. Then we would do the virtual things. But it was slowing down the cases. Let us have strategies that even if there is a pandemic, there is a priority for the children. Mm-hmm. If there is a case, the case should go on. This person needs to be sentenced. It should be uh, uh, something that the people in the community will see that so-and-so was, was, was jailed. I, I cannot do this. This is wrong. But if we are having a case that is dragging, dragging, people will, will not be serious. They'll think that the, uh, this is just something that... It will pass. Mm-hmm. It will pass. I would also wish to ask if we can have a one-stop station whereby, yes, there is pandemic or there is no pandemic. But the child comes in, if it's defilement, the child is treated, the case is reported, medical attention, psychosocial support, the police are there, the perpetrator arrested, the case starts. Mm-hmm. Let's have something one-stop so that we may avoid these children repeating those scenarios Today I'm at the hospital, I'm saying this. Tomorrow I'll be at the police station, I have to say this. I'll go back to the court, I have to say. So it is a recurring trauma. If we can have a one-stop thing and make these children, after testifying, they can continue with psychosocial support and go back to normalcy. Um, Strategies and workable solutions beyond the pandemic. Thank you very much for making time for, you know, joining us, Ms. Anna. Thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Santa Anna. So my recommendation towards stakeholders would be trying to, um, they should try and strengthen the family unit because in as much as everyone has good intentions and they want to help, you can't um, 
replace the role of the family, which is very integral to the development of a child. So they should definitely try and um, stabilize the family by providing, for example, counseling services, by conducting awareness campaigns on the role of the family mm -hmm. and how important it is in bringing up a child. Great. Um, thank you very much for making the time to join us on this episode. Thank you for having me. Welcome to part two. We'll be talking about children living with disabilities. And we are joined with Mr. Ben Nyariki from Orion. Uh, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure. Uh, Would you describe what your organization does? Orione is a, a school for children and youth mm -hmm. living with mental condition and syndrome. Yeah. That is commonly referred to as an intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. It's run by a religious congregation of the Congregation of Sons Divine Providence. Yeah. Uh, that's the Catholic Church. When you talk about intellectual disabilities, maybe you could slightly expand on what are some of these? Yeah, now this is a, a, a group of uh, people living with a disability. And this one is about mental illness that uh, most of them were either born with, mm -hmm. in fact, mostly born with. We are talking about conditions like uh, autism. We are talking about uh, inter uh, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, mental cha mentally challenged, etc. When you're dealing with these children, have you come across any form of abuse, neglect or violence against them? First, let me say that um, all children are vulnerable. Yes. Those living with mental condition and syndrome, mm -hmm. it's only that the chances of vulnerability are higher than others. Yes, we come across several cases for some which are very obvious, like access to education, their families and even the society is denying these children their right to education, mm -hmm. meaningful employment. Everywhere you go, even buildings, most of them are not uh, really conducive yes. yeah, for people living with mental condition and, and syndrome. Okay. But by and large, uh, inclusion into society, into the society, mm -hmm. these people are really segregated. They have not really been accommodated fully in the, into yeah. the society. When you're talking about neglect, I know when you're talking about intellectual disabilities, there isn't a lot of community inclusion of the children. How do you ensure that they are included as ch normal children in the society? In Oriana Community Center, we have four pillars. Yeah. Uh, if maybe I can start with the. The first pillar is that of individualized educational plan, mm -hmm. where we personally try to identify the potential of each and every child. The second is that of inclusion yeah. into the society. This one is really important, mm -hmm. and it has to start from the family level. You realize that most families with a member with mental condition and syndrome yeah. actually have not fully accepted. They are living in denial. Yeah. Some are stigmatized. Mm -hmm. So from the family level, Oriona Center, we have to make the family accept this child. Mm -hmm. And by accepting the child, the first step is to let the child out to pursue education. Also, in now when the child gets to school, now social socializing with, at the level of the child uh, starts. Yeah. You educate one family that comprises the mother, the father, and the members of that family. Mm -hmm. You realize that now you start an opening yes. to reaching out to the larger uh, family level. We are working closely with the government, mm -hmm. as in uh, both the county government yes. and the national government. At the national government, we are talking of the administrative units where the local administration, the area chief, come in on board to bring people of the community to our center where we have workshops to train these people the need 
to accommodate the disadvantaged people in a society. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. That's very wholesome from the family to the society. I thank you for that. How do you ensure that you protect the interests of the children at large? The center, we always believe that uh, these children have the potential and the abilities yeah. to participate in any meaningful activity in the society. We know they have their rights. For us, we have to be a living example. First, our staff are really trained on the rights and protection of people who are disadvantaged, mental condition and syndrome. We also work closely with the national government through the children's office, where if a child gets to school and we realize that this child is abused in one way or another, whichever form of violence, this case, first, of course, you cannot move and arrest the family or punish the family. We have to start with uh, knowing the family background, why this child is exposed to that form of abuse. Uh, you realize that some uh, families have a very poor and disadvantaged background. So for one reason or the another, they may lack the facilities that people with a disability need, for example, a wheelchair. What will be your recommendation or what do you think will be done better? It's not only at the society level that these people are neglected. I can talk from hospitals, we have come across where doctors don't even know the condition. When you take a, a child living with disability, mental condition, to hospital, you know, you have to speak for this child. Yes. And the staff at the hospital want a patient to explain him or herself. So really, it becomes a challenge. Um, look at the foundations, uh, which offer scholarships, right? Yes. Yeah, when they put the advertisements in papers, what mm -hmm. are they looking at? You must have attained this grade, this level, mm -hmm. yeah? What about those, are, those who are mentally challenged? And yet, if taken to school for rehabilitation therapies, for personalized education, th th those people can be rehabilitated and uh, live a meaningful life. Yes. They are not captured there. True. Or even the National Council for People Living with Disability. Mm -hmm. Go through that form where you feel for assistance. What are they asking for? People who are in colleges, universities, secondary level. What about the disabled? So really, a lot needs to be done. Mm -hmm. I think uh, our approach to issues for people living with disability has to change. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a Sorry. pleasure. Welcome to part three. We'll be talking about all the legal issues pertaining protecting children from exploitation, violence, neglect, and abuse. I'm joined by Langata Legal Aid Center, represented by Miss Judith Athiambo. Karibu sana, Miss Judith. Thank you so much. Are you happy to be here? Yes, I'm so happy. Are you relaxed? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so first, I'd just like to know, what does the Langata Legal Aid Center do? And do you only work in Langata? You know, where are your programs based? Okay, Langata Legal Aid Center is a community-based organization. It was registered in 2017, triggered by the general election of 2017. Our main aim was to offer legal services to the most vulnerable community in Kibera, Langata, and Dagureti. So most of the issues that we address are on uh, GBV, housing, uh, domestic violence, and uh, labor. As you go about these things, and especially as an organization that came after a very dark time in Kenya, and maybe to commend you guys, you know, for that step after mm -hmm. what was uh, a very sad time for us as Kenyans, yeah. 
what are some of the legal issues that you face when you go about your work as far as children matters are concerned? The highest number of cases that we receive are concerning children and uh, the cases are on uh, one of them is custody, matters to do with custody and then we have gender-based violence, sana sana defilement and then also we have uh, child maintenance whereby probably one parent has neglected the child. What are some of the challenges as an organization you face or the kind of blockers or you know things that hinder you guys being able to go about your programs or your activities? Uh, some of the legal issues we face is that uh, law process is not as low process. One has to be patient and we also try to, to implement our cases through alternative dispute resolution. So you find that with alternative dispute resolution, you bring these parties together so that they can dialogue and have a reasonable solution to their problem. But you find that sometimes the ADR does not work and they're supposed to take this matter to court. So you find that sometimes the clients are not too patient to the court process or sometimes they don't even have the filing fees to the court cases. So that becomes a challenge because as an organization, we don't have a funding that supports clients when they want to file their cases in court. We only do ADR at the organization level. Right. Yeah. Um, and how do you go about ADR, especially where children have been abused or they faced violence? How exactly do you ensure that, you know, you're meeting the objectives of ADR, which is bringing, you know, these two sides together amicably, mm-hmm. but also without harming the child who's now the victim of abuse or neglect? In yeah. this case. So in cases of uh, domestic violence or uh, sexual gender-based violence, we don't do ADR. Right. Those ones are criminal cases and they go to they go to the normal process of uh, police to court and something like that. But cases of uh, child maintenance, that is where we do ADR, whereby the two parties can negotiate with one another. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so what would you say is yet to be done by CSOs, maybe working in the communities. You've said you're in Kibera, Langata, and Agureti. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either in those areas, wider Nairobi, Kenya in general, what remains to be done? Increased sensitization, that is one, whereby the CSO needs to reach out to the local communities and even institutions like schools to talk about issues that are affecting children because it is not only legal. There are psychosocial issues, there are psychological issues that children are suffering from and especially this time that we are coming out of uh, COVID-19. And then there is also need for strengthening partnership among the civil society organization, whereas we are working in Langata, Kibera and Dagoreti. But you find that there are other civil societies that are doing the same work. So there is a need for us to strengthen our support together so that we we can address these issues in a collaborative way. And then thirdly is uh, providing resources because like we need advocates who can support these vulnerable cases. We need certified mediators who can be champions of the ADR process. And so getting these professionals on board so that we can do a quality work is pretty a process. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Miss Judith. I hope you've enjoyed the session with us as you've yes. enjoyed ours. Yeah. And uh, all the best to Langata Legal Aid Center. Thank you. And now I'm joined by Miss Sylvia Murabe from Crime Sipoa. Karibu sana, Miss Sylvia. Thank you, Sana Njambi. <laughs> what is Crime Sipoa? 
Um, Crime Sipoa is a youth-centric organization. We are an NGO that works predominantly with the youth, um, who we categorize mostly as at risk and at vulnerable into getting in crime and other antisocial behavior. So our goal is to inform, reform, and transform. So this we do through um, mentorship and education programs where we go into the schools, um, mentor the kids with skills, life skills, just trying to bring about um, behavior and attitude change so that they can be able to make better decisions. And for those who have who are already in juvenile, we work with them now for our reformation and transformation so that when they come back outside, they are transformed, they, may, they can make better decisions, they can go back to school and be productive members of society. Thank you. I'm seeing a lot of synergy between what Wakilisha does and some of the projects that, you know, Crime Sipo undertakes. And uh, one thing I'm sure you know is that some of the kids that are likely to commit, you know, crimes, the kids that you're trying to get away from crime, mm-hmm. have probably been victims of abuse, exploitation, neglect, you yes. know, violence at home or in school or something like that. So I'm wondering from where you guys come in, mm-hmm. what are some of the legal issues you face or what are some of the legal issues that CSOs that do the kind of work that we do mm-hmm. would face when they're trying to protect children against these vices? That's a good question. I think in the work that we do, one thing that we have realized, there's a lot of ignorance of the law. Let's start from there. So that a lot of people get into legal problems because they don't know or they don't know their rights. They don't know that this is wrong. This shouldn't be done to them. They don't know how to stand for, up for themselves. Or if something happens, they don't know where to go for help. As crime people, we may not have like the full capacity to be able to give you the, whether it's the legal or the psychosocial support. So we work a lot with partners, other CSOs who are able to, um, to offer this, the things that we can't. Let me use Shofko as an example because we work with them a lot and we know, okay, Shofko handles this. Can we bring in a caseworker who can be able to follow up with this case, get the child the protection that they need, follow up with the police and in other instances, bring the community together. One of the things we've realized works um, as an organization is when we bring the community together for dialogue and for forums, but we just don't bring the community leaders and the community members, but we bring state actors who we call the duty bearers, then work together towards what we want to see as the good of society. So what remains to be done? What gaps are there that can be filled? Mm -hmm. Or what is being done, Mm -hmm. but maybe could do with more engagement? There's only so much we can do as CSOs. The government has a role. And the government, if you look at our constitution, Article 53 says that our children should be protected. They have the right to be protected from harm and danger and all that. Um, We have a lot of legislation that protects the child. And the government as the gatekeeper is supposed to ensure that these laws are being kept. Now, the problem is we have such good laws on paper. And then when it comes to implementation, they take a backseat and then it becomes like CSO's work to come in and do that which the government should be doing. Mm. So that, to some extent, gives even the CSOs a limitation because there's only so much that we can do. And the thing that we can do is continue calling for that action. And another thing, civic education. Because mm. a lot of the times we don't know. There's a policy that the government has tried to come up with, and it's called uh, the National Prevention and Response Plan on Violence Against um, Children. And it's a plan that's supposed to last between 2019 to 2023. And as you go through it, it's a long document. And as you go through it, there's the research that they did under the um, Violence Action Against Children survey. And you realize one thing that caught me as I was reading that is a huge percentage of society believe that some sort of violence is okay. That, Mm -hmm. for example, a man is justified in beating his wife 
for certain things. Or corporal punishment in school is justified because, you know, teachers need to keep the children in check. If we do not address them at the point that the issue is, then we risk just going around in circles and not really doing anything. So let's call a spade a spade. Let's call the duty barriers to action. Let's continue to just educate. Let's continue to empower that we may be able to see the change and be the change that we want to see in our society. Thank you so much. Yes. I love that. I'm also inspired by the work that you guys do at Crime Sipoa. And uh, before I let you go, let me ask, what's your recommendation to other actors? So not necessarily CSOs, but mm-hmm. anyone who could be listening to this episode mm-hmm. and would want to help in a, in a sense. I'd perhaps put it in twofold. Number one, children to have a voice. Many times, especially, you know, in our African setup, children are to be seen and not to be heard. So when a child wants to say something, sometimes you don't take them seriously. So listen to the children in your life. There's something that they may be going through and they don't know who to talk to. They don't know how to get help. Be that safe space. Be that safe space that they can be able to come to in case they're facing any of these issues that you may be able to help them. And then the second one is what I started with that I want to reiterate, collaboration. Let's not try to work in silos and build our own names. If we're all working towards building the society that we want, we want to be able to empower these kids and be able to help them to grow into confident, productive human beings. Then let's work together towards achieving that goal. Thank you so much, Sylvia. I've really enjoyed the interaction with you and uh, we look forward to further engagement. Thank you, Njambi, for having me. guys that was amazing how many people have we had in studio today <laughs> can't even count um, <laughs> we might be in trouble with our <laughs> producers and hosts <laughs> Oh God, that was amazing. Uh, I think the fun fact, my fun fact for today is my Kikuyu tongue has made it through a million tongue twisters with all the guest names and uh, making sure you say all the organization's names as they should be said. I think I'm still struggling as I speak. <laughs> that was quite something. Any fun facts, quick ones for us? I, I was very comfortable. And I mean, given the number of people we had in studio, I was very chill and I really enjoyed it. I think that is that is something to take to write home about. Yeah, oh my God, you guys. Bright, these people, we all have nerves when we are recording. Bright to Mefika, Mechil, Akotuapo, Minazipi, we are here with the structure, we've written notes, everything. Bright is like, ah, me, I'm fine. Today I'm okay. You guys, our aspiring journalist to see you. <laughs> uh, for me, is the research I did. Honestly, my mom was asking me, hey. When you're going for an exam. Yeah, it's like ZP was writing an exam. She has a notebook with... Like I read through the charter, of which it was something nice. Yeah, like I read through the charter, the aspirations. Even even went to 2063 agenda. <laughs> wow. She was, did you hear her naming the acts in the intro? Yeah. Okay, okay, sorry. Yes. Are, are lawyers still boring? Hmm? Hmm? I, no, it's not a... Mm. No, not yeah. really, but... Yeah, to believe you. <laughs> Let me not throw any motion. <laughs> Guys, we've had yeah. yeah, we've had a really, really fun uh episode. I mean it was obviously a lot of great learnings and I just want to know from my co host what stood out for you in your various parts. Ladies first, Zippy. Oh wow. <laughs> so for me I was talking about children living with disabilities and specifically intellectual disabilities. And what stood out for me is inclusion of children who are 
intellectually disabled. And what Mr. Bent said was that things like scholarships, they don't include mentally disabled children. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we can do better on inclusion. Yeah, Braid? For me, um, I, we were talking about violence and neglect and abuse just how most times we think about the positive effects of something, you know, this being COVID season and a lot of online classes. And, you know, we're talking about, oh, this is nice. Kids can go on with the education and learn from home. But then we're not thinking about the negative effect of this technology to the kids, yeah? Yeah. Increased child pornography and all these online, um, you know, things that happen to kids. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is something we don't think about that we really should think about. Yeah. I, I think what stood out for me was actually on a bit more of a positive note. I really noted that a lot of my guests talked about collaboration. So I think mm -hmm. even just, we keep saying, we filled this part of the studio, right? Those mm -hmm. are all, how many organizations, I, I don't want to do the math right now, but there's been quite a number. That's collaboration. Imagine each of us in our own space, yet we've come together. So I mm -hmm. think that's one of the things that has really stood out for me. I've, I've just now, as we've gone through this, I'm wondering, do you really think that we will get there? Do you think Aspiration 7 is attainable, you know, in your community, in Nairobi, in Kenya at large, globally? Do you think that we'll ever come to a point where we're able to protect children against exploitation, violence, neglect, and abuse? I think we are. I think we're able to. It's not easy, but, you know, like what you said and like um, what one of my guests, Ms. Zana again, also said, every voice counts, you know, every single effort from everyone, you know, if we can all join together and if we had six people come from everywhere today and we did what we did today, just to highlight these issues. If you listening to this can join hands with someone else and someone else and someone else, we can realize all these things. I might not be able to do them alone, but then if we join forces and focus on something that, you know, another guest of mine also said, focus on proper, tangible, workable solutions, you know, just very, very simple things that are actually workable. And yeah, I believe we can do this. Oh, yes, I think it's possible. And for me, one of Jambi's guests said, like, we have to minimize the gap between the written laws and the implementation. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's, that's the very key thing. Yeah, yeah. One of my guests also said that, and this is actually another, it's actually in one of the laws that ZP maybe can tell us from all the reading that she has been doing. <laughs> <laughs> but every child has a voice. Yes. And that was so powerful, right? Sometimes we tend to help children, but we're not thinking about them. So always remember, like, what is this child's opinion? So mm -hmm. as you're safeguarding the best interest of the child, make sure you're listening to the child. As we wrap up, this particular episode is also specifically very important to us we just talked about child psychology in the previous episode and you know one of the things that we see and we've also talked about it with crime sipoa is children in conflict with the law tend to have been victims of abuse of neglect um, violence exploitation or something like that we're not saying that this is the route that any child who faces this is going to go to mm -hmm. but it's very special for us because once we're able to help at that particular level then you're preventing this other thing once you're helping a child who is you know intellectually challenged then they're going to you know, everyone has their strength, right? They mm. might be lacking in this one particular area, but there's something else that they have. Yes. So I think this episode really just showed us that. And like Brett said, 
everyone has something that they can do. Let's hold hands and let's ensure that we protect our children. So this brings us to the end of this particular episode. I just want to thank our partners once more. I want to thank St. Patrick's Safeguarding Children's Program East Africa, Mission Kara for organizing and funding this particular project, which we have done in partnership with them and the Strathmore Law Clinic and the Strathmore Institute of Family Studies and Ethics. And if you want to learn about any of these particular organizations, we'll include links to their websites on the episode description so you can go there and find them. And if you want to know more about what Wakilisha does, you know what to do. www.wakilisha.org or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. We are at wakili.sha and at wakili underscore sha on Twitter. Bye! Bye! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.